Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 478. This week, I've got a review of my recent cruise on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas. It was a eight-night cruise to the Southern Caribbean. I want to share with you the things that really stood out about this cruise and what about Odyssey of the Seas really endeared me. Here we go. So as I mentioned, we were on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas for an eight-night cruise over Thanksgiving. And Odyssey of the Seas, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's a brand new cruise ship. Came out late 2021, and it really got overshadowed very quickly by Wonder of the Seas because Wonder came out just a few months later on, right? And usually when new cruise ships come out, there's usually some sort of a gap, right? There's usually at least, gosh, a year. I mean, maybe less than a year, but even if it's less than a year, we're talking like eight or nine months, at the, you know, at the minimum. So there's usually enough time for the new ship to get all the attention. Don't forget, Real Caribbean tends to market its new ships as whatever's the latest and greatest. And it gives a lot of focus on that before moving on to something else. It's also why, you know, Real Caribbean doesn't spend a lot of time talking about maybe, you know, as an example, Utopia of the Seas as much as Icon, because Icon is coming out before Utopia. You kind of get the idea. Anyway, all that being said is that Odyssey came out and it kind of, you know, it got a lot of attention at the time, but I feel like here in 2022, I'm not sure that it gets nearly as much attention as Wonder of the Seas does. And now you got Icon coming out and, you know, it got a little lost in the shuffle a little bit. But when we went on Odyssey last time, I had gone on Odyssey, I believe, two times prior to this cruise. And I really enjoyed it. So I believe the thought process with me and my wife was, let's plan a family cruise on Odyssey of the Seas. And we chose Thanksgiving because our kids have off of school for that week. It's a just a generally good time to go on a week-long cruise and, you know, go over there. And, and if I can take a moment here to get my soapbox, it's really hard to find time of the year that's not summer to take kids on a seven-night cruise. You know, the, the weekend cruises are fine, but there's something about a longer sailing, that seven- or eight-night cruise, that really just stands out. And as a family, as our kids are getting older and it's becoming more and more difficult to take them out of school for, you know, more than a day or two, I found that really it's it's Thanksgiving and spring break. That's not summer break, that is, Right. Um, and, and it's certainly Christmas vacation, I should mention that, but the problem with Christmas vacation, it tends to be very busy, very, uh, very popular and also very pricey. Thanksgiving tends to be a pretty economical time for whatever reason, it doesn't really command the high prices that you find over say Christmas or new year's. And I think part of that is for Thanksgiving families want to get together because there's no expectation of presence over Thanksgiving. Whereas Christmas, <laughs> if you see your family, you got to get them a gift. So, oh, so sorry. We're going on a cruise. See you next year. Uh, maybe that's there's some truth to that. I don't know. Someone once told me that. It makes sense to me. Anyway, that being said, we chose Odyssey of the Seas. And we had two connecting rooms for this one uh, between my kids. And really for this cruise, uh, what really endeared us besides the ship itself, which is, which is interesting. We'll talk about the ship in a second, was the itinerary. This was an A-night Southern Caribbean itinerary out of Fort Lauderdale. So it went to Labadee. And then we went to the Dominican Republic. And then we went to Aruba and Curacao, all in a row, four ports in a row. It was really impressive. I couldn't believe, quite frankly, that we could go from Labadee to La Romana in the Dominican Republic to Aruba and Curacao in four days in a row, no sea days in between. It was fairly impressive. Now, granted, the day in Aruba, we didn't get there until the afternoon, but then we got to send the evening there, which is really cool. Anyway, I digress, but the point is, is that I thought the itinerary was really interesting. It wasn't just, oh, it's another Eastern or Western Caribbean sailing. And the more you cruise, if you're brand new to cruising and you've only taken one or two cruises, all the itineraries are amazing. So please don't take this as a, like, oh, gosh, Matt said the Western or Eastern are terrible. No, 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 no. I love them both. 
I've just done them a bazillion times. So any kind of variety or something a little bit different for someone who cruises a lot is a big deal. But if you've started your cruising journey, you'll, you'll have plenty of good fun there in those other places. But for this itinerary, it's a little bit different. And that really was interesting. And the fact it's eight nights, boy, an extra night really makes a difference when it comes to a cruise. You don't think it really would, but it just, by having one extra night, all of a sudden day six isn't as depressing anymore and day seven isn't as depressing anymore. So it's kind of, you get just a little more life into your cruise. And of course, being able to go a little further in is wonderful. So for this cruise, actually, before we even started the cruise, we did an Airbnb for this particular sailing. Now, why did we do an Airbnb for one night? We're driving down from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale. And the reason is, is we were looking for hotels. And when I was looking at the pricing, and this is, of course, right around Thanksgiving. So pricing was fairly high. And I was trying to find like a suite or something like that for our kids because, you know, my kids are older. We need to have separate sleeping areas from them. I was just not finding a lot of great choices and the things I was finding were fairly expensive. So I found Airbnb as an alternative and sure enough, it was about the same price I would have been getting if I was getting like two rooms somewhere or just some like ritzy suite somewhere that would have that space we were looking for. And I tried the Airbnb thing. Let's try this out. And I did an article about this on realcreamblog.com and I don't want to spend the whole entire episode kind of breaking down Airbnb versus a hotel room. I do appreciate with an Airbnb that you get a house, you get completely separate sleeping areas, you get way more space. We had a pool. We were right on the water. It was really nice. There was a little waterway that was really cool there. They had a foosball table. There were obviously TVs. There was a couch. Like you could actually like sit back and relax and enjoy your time there. The problem with Airbnbs is, well, number one, the fees that Airbnb charges makes a one night stay pretty impractical. I mean, it was fine for what it was, but you know, it's not a cheap option because no matter what you find for the price of the Airbnb, all these little fees that Airbnb tax onto it that really adds up. That's not to say, by the way, that hotels are notorious for resort fees and all sorts of exorbitant things that are, that are there, but it is what it is. Also with Airbnbs, it's pretty common that you can't get in earlier than the check-in time. Like hotels, you can really roll the dice. Sometimes you can get in in the morning hours, right? Even though the check-in time may be not until 3 or 4 p.m. With Airbnbs, it's almost certainly you're not checking in until the afternoon, which wasn't a problem for us because we were driving down from Orlando and our kids went to school earlier in the day. So, you know, we didn't get down there until about 4 or 5 o'clock anyway, so that wasn't an issue for us but maybe an issue for you if you were flying in. Anyway, we enjoyed the Airbnb. It was exactly what we wanted. It wasn't a cheap option, uh, but it certainly served its purpose, and I think we we enjoyed that. Anyway, went to the cruise port. Check-in was pretty easy. In fact, this might have been the best check-in process I've had in Port Everglades in quite a while. Usually Port Everglades, despite it being a relatively new terminal and somewhat optimized, I feel like just doesn't quite click on all cylinders as some of the other terminals do, like, Terminal 1 in Port Canaveral or Terminal A in Miami or even the new Terminal 3 over in Galveston. But, you know, we had a great – it moved very quickly. We were able to check in quickly, and we were on our way. So in terms of the ship with Odyssey of the Seas, I really – you know, I, I felt like the ship has really hit a high note for me when it comes to the Quantum class. I've always enjoyed the Quantum class, whether it was Quantum or Anthem of the Seas, but it just never was like my favorite ship. you ever – hearing me talk about what my favorite ships are in the fleet, I would never mention a quantum clash. Maybe I talked about Anthem like, you know, years and years ago, but it just wasn't quite there. Odyssey really has hit all the right. It seems like Royal Caribbean kind of figured out, okay, well, here's, we've done four other quantum class ships. We've done all these Oasis class cruise ships. And we've done all these amplifications. So how do we kind of take all the lessons learned and kind of put this in Odyssey? And I feel like they really figured that all out there. And I really enjoyed the ship. 
And if you were going on a cruise, or rather, if you're thinking about going on a cruise, and people ask me this all the time, I'm, I'm brand new to Royal Caribbean, I've never cruised before, what's a ship I would recommend? I think Wonder and Odyssey of the Seas are the two ships right now that you just can't go wrong with because there's so many great choices on these ships. It's just the best of the best right now, and, and there's no denying that. And I feel like that Odyssey, even if maybe you weren't the biggest fan of the Quantum class before, I think you're going to find the Odyssey of the Seas a lot more interesting and, and certainly stands out there. And I really enjoyed the fact that the flow of the ship really worked to my advantage. Number one, I absolutely love Playmakers up in the C-Plex. I never really was a huge Playmakers fan. Like when the locations were in, were in like maybe the Royal Promenade, it was always just too busy. It was always like, it's a great idea. I love everything about it. But because it's so centrally located, it just gets overwhelmed busy. And I just like forget I'm not even going to bother with it, right? And then on the Oasis class ships, it's outdoors. Sorry, that violates like Matt rule number seven. I need air conditioning at all given time. So that's out. Anyway, with Odyssey, it's in the C-Plex. It's not like front and center, but it's in a great spot. Beautiful space. Lots of viewing areas. The combination of being able to watch both sporting events on television and what's going on in the C-Plex, I think is a home run hit. No pun intended there with the sports analogy. And I really think that it, it was just the perfect place. In fact, a lot of times I would end up telling my wife, like, let's go up to the Playmakers just because it's a little chiller out there and just kind of we can enjoy some, you know, I'm not sitting there watching the game necessarily. I'm not, when we were on, it was just, you know, football and whatnot. It's not my favorite sport in the world, but I just like the vibe up there. And it's kind of relaxing great staff. So we really like that. And I think that Playmakers really stood out for us. And it's one of the few that I really, really enjoy. Speaking of dining, we also had the unlimited dining package on this particular cruise. And the unlimited dining package works really well for us. You know, between my wife and my kids and myself, you know, we, we like going to the specialty restaurants more so. Although I will admit the dining room on Odyssey is absolutely stunningly beautiful. I love the design of it. We actually went to the dining room for Thanksgiving dinner because on Thanksgiving day, they have a special Thanksgiving menu there, and I wanted to have turkey and all that. So we went there for to the main dining room for that. But the other nights of the cruise, we went to specially dining. The Giovanna Italian Kitchen, man, I can't say enough about how much of a home run this is. Right now, this is only available on Odyssey and Wonder and Freedom of the Seas. But it is just a lovely selection of choices. Really good food. Loved that quite a bit. The staff was fantastic there also. But, you know, we went to other special restaurants. In fact, we took our kids to Wonderland. And I was like, so they'd never been to Wonderland before. And we took them there. And I specifically booked an early seating. Like, it was like 5 or 5.30. Because I, I was anticipating they were not going to eat anything. And so we would need to go up to the Windjamer in order to have a second dinner so they could actually eat food. Anyway, they loved it. I was shocked how much they really got into the food. Because they're terribly picky eaters. Like, when we, let me put this in perspective for a second. Their favorite food at a Chinese restaurant is chicken with broccoli. Of course, they don't eat the broccoli. They just like the chicken, right? But when they, you know, when they pick out the chicken from the chicken and broccoli, fine. You know, these are kids. If there is a speck of broccoli on their chicken, they will take the time to remove the speck of broccoli. That is indistinguishable if they were to actually eat it from the chicken because they just don't want it on there. That's how picky they are. But here at Wonderland, in which the food looks like who knows what, they were like, sure, we'll just give it a try. It was amazing. Anyway, they loved it. They wanted to go back again. I was like, no, thank you. Once is enough for me. But they really, really enjoyed Wonderland. And it, that was a home run hit for them. So they really, really liked that quite a bit. And obviously, the other special restaurants were, were, were great. When it comes to the dining package, 
The reality is if you're going to eat at more than say two specialty restaurants on your cruise, a dining package almost certainly makes more financial sense, especially when you start breaking down the costs of paying individually for the reservations versus the dining package. You know, when it first came out, I was always like, oh man, we got to maximize every day of the dining package to get our value out of it. The reality is you can break even much sooner than that. You can skip days and meals and still probably break even, especially when we start comparing that to the individual prices. So for what it's worth, I think that was a great value for us. The other great thing about Odyssey and the Quantum Class in general is just all the onboard activities you can do there, especially with the C-Plex. I love the indoor aspect of it. So that way it's not too hot out, right? When we were going on a cruise in November, so this wasn't like the middle of July by any means, but all too often, you know, I'll look at the cruise compass, like, ooh, that activity sounds great. And then you realize it's outdoors and it's hot and sunny and sweaty and it's humid and it's just like, no thanks. With the C-Plex being climate controlled, you know, the activities, they were great. And on the first day of the cruise, we had lunch at Playmakers. Then we were just down there and started playing badminton because it was open play badminton. I haven't played badminton since I think high school and it was fun. My daughter, you know, my youngest daughter tried her best at it. She wasn't very good. We had a nice time with, with trying it out. And I appreciate that they swap out activities quite often. They'd have, you know, badminton or soccer or basketball or volleyball, bumper cars, right? In fact, I did the bumper cars and I realized very quickly that I'm getting too old for bumper cars. It just hurts. Everything hurts. I know that's like hashtag getting old, but like, my goodness, it just, um, I was just trying to get my daughter who's driving the car, like just go somewhere where nobody else is there currently. I need a break from this, but we had a nice time. It was really cool. You know, my kids are starting to get older where, you know, Adventure Ocean isn't the draw that it used to be for them. So they like a combination now of like two things. One, either hanging in the room, which is really code for, you know, playing on their devices. Look, it's their vacation. That's how they have fun. That's how they have fun. But they also like the idea of going to certain activities, whether it is karaoke, whether it is going to, you know, bumper cars, something like that. Um, they kind of like this idea. So we're not to the point where we're just letting them free roam, like do whatever you want. We'll see you back at dinner. Like, I just don't think that's responsible from a, a parenting standpoint, but we will allow them to go on walks and do things like, okay, go do this activity and then report back to us. Right. And it's kind of, you know, as, as parents and as families, one of the great things about cruises is it allows you to spend time together, but also have some apart time right? We don't need to be married at the hip. We don't need to be, you know, doing everything always together at the same time. So sometimes my wife and I will want to go and just enjoy being outdoors. Like we'll go up to the upper pool deck and just sit out in the shade and enjoy the sea breeze. My wife will bring her e-reader with her and I'll just sit out there and just kind of enjoy the view, right? My kids would find that the most boring possible activity in the world. They don't see relaxation means boring to them. So for them, they prefer to either go do an activity like trivia or probably just stay back in the room and kind of hang out. We'll meet up, you know, an hour or two later. So that was really something that's kind of evolving with our family. Also, we got our oldest for the first time we paid for an internet package for her. I think the guise of it was that she could do some work for school because she had missed some school prior to this cruise due to being a little sick. But it ended up just being an excuse for her to have the internet package to, you know, do non-school things. Let's put it that way. Anyway. It, but did allow us to stay in communication a lot easier. You know, for families, you know, and when you're on a cruise, whether you're sailing with your kids, you're sailing with your parents or cousins, friends, whatever, it really makes a difference if you have an internet package to be able to communicate with each other because it's just so much easier to be able to hop on, you know, whether it's, uh, in our case, we all had iPhones. So we could just, you know, iMessage each other or FaceTime each other. But you could use, you know, Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or anything like that to be able to communicate as well. Either way, it was an option for us and it worked well. And I think as this evolution continues of, you know, time together, time apart, and time together again as a family, I feel like, you know, this is going to be a trend as a, as our kids grow older 
that we're going to encounter. And that's okay, too. It's, you know, cruising is going to evolve. It always does. And, um, you know, there, there's a positive aspect to it. Because at the end of the day, I want everybody to have a good time on the cruise. And that doesn't necessarily mean we have to be doing the same time. In fact, you know, as much as a, as a parent, I want my kids with me all the time. I don't want them with me all the time. I like having a break from my kids. So this is not the end of the world either. This is actually a positive if you want to look at it that way. In terms of Odyssey, uh, uh, things that really stood out that I didn't like about it, I think there were probably two main issues I kind of took on bridge with. Number one was the elevators. I don't know, man. I Maybe I, I just had some really bad luck, but it seems like the elevators were always super slow. Like, it, the, the logic defied logic. Like, you'd go there, you'd hit the button, and you would just not get an elevator for a long time. It's not even like, you know, the oh, the elevator stops and it's full. It was just like you would see an empty car go past you, and then you would finally get another elevator car, and it'd be full. And it was just like, what? what, what, Why? You know, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it was just bad luck. Maybe it's just Odyssey. I posted about this on realcreamblog.com, and a number of people mentioned that they've encountered similar things on the quantum class. Perhaps it is a, it's a it seems odd to me that the quantum class has their own elevator logic compared to like the Oasis class or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going on Wonder of the Seas soon, so we'll have to see if that, how much that fares. But we use the, the stairs way more. By about day three, I flat out said I'm not even bothering with the elevators anymore unless it was more than like, you know, seven or eight decks. I would then wait for the elevator. But I just really just started taking the stairs all the time because it was just not worthwhile. I That really bothered me. The other thing I thought was the show schedule kind of was a little, not to my liking, this is Matt preference now because I admit there's probably some people who didn't mind it. I thought they showed the book way too often and effectors not nearly enough, but, you know, that's just me because I don't really care for the book and I would have liked to have seen the effectors more often. Anyway, regardless of that fact, you know, it is what it is. But we had a great time on Odyssey. I think it was, it's a great ship. And if you're thinking about booking Odyssey of the Seas, the nice thing, in it, it's a brand new ship. And when it comes to brand new ships, you really can't go wrong. I often joke, whether you're talking about Royal Caribbean, Carnival, MSC, Norwegian, whatever, you, it's hard to go wrong with a new ship. It's hard to have a bad time on a brand new ship because brand new ships are just, they, they got everything. They, they got the latest and greatest. It's pretty rare that you can have a bad experience. I'm not saying you can't, but... You know, all things being equal, uh, new ships tend to really stand out. And Odyssey certainly does that as well. And I think that if you are new to cruising, you're new to Royal Caribbean or both, then Odyssey is a wonderful choice for you. You know, the thing for people who've cruised a lot with the Quantum class in general is always just that it's a bit of a departure from the Voyager Freedom and Oasis class ships in terms of its layout. And it doesn't bother me. Maybe it bothers other people. I don't know. But I think that it really is a great choice. I think it's great for families. I love the amount of things on there. I think they, the, the pool deck changes are really nice. And I just, again, generally speaking, I absolutely love what they've done with Odyssey. And while I don't have another cruise booked on Odyssey as a, as we stand right now, I would love to go back on this ship because I really think it's a, it's a secret ship in the case. Like it just doesn't get as much attention as it should, but it's a great ship to go on. If you're looking for a wonderful vacation. All right, let's answer your listener emails. This is a part of the episode where I answer the emails you have sent me. You can always email me, matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. First email is from Keith Peters from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Hi, Matt. I was excited to hear your take a few weeks ago about a three-day cruise. My wife and I recently celebrated 35 years of marriage, and I turned 60 years old. We thought, YOLO, we should take the kids on a three-day cruise out of Miami. This is our fifth Royal Caribbean cruise, ninth overall. All others were seven-day cruises. Initially, it was to be my wife, two sons who are 27 and 29 and daughter who's 20 but my middle child could not leave work we traveled from detroit and chicago 
First impression was, wow, check-in could not have been easier. Embarkation seemed simply like we just kept walking until we were on board the ship. Went from Miami airport to a drink in my hand on deck 12 within an hour. The crew were so inviting and great hosts and ambassadors for Royal Caribbean. It was our first time to visit Perfect Day at Coco Key on a Saturday. We loved it. We camped out at Chill Island most of the day, but ventured out to Oasis Lagoon and swim up bar. My wife kept on saying this is a perfect day. I would add Coco Key. Sunday, we ported in Nassau. We walked around town a bit up to John Watling's Distillery for a rum tasting. That evening, we had dinner at Izumi. Playmakers is a great addition to the ship. So many Miami fans packed the area to watch the Dolphins game to play the Steelers. The only drawback was that Sunday evening entertainment was a bit dated. Overall, it was a great weekend. The price for the cruise was good, but airfare cost made it a little pricey. We did have the drink package, which made it hurt a little less. Not sure we would rush out to do another three-day cruise. We still love being out there for a week. Thanks for all that you do for the cruise community. Uh, Keith, thanks for the email. I think you know, everything you said there, obviously, you know, wonderful. I'm glad to hear you had a nice time there. And I think the fact that you have cruised a lot, again, this is your ninth overall cruise and you've done a lot of cruises before that this is where three-day cruises are really good for you because it augments your cruise experience i wouldn't recommend it necessarily for a first-time cruiser but it sounds like in a pinch you know when you just like hey here's a weekend here's a long weekend we can make this work maybe airfare isn't ridiculously expensive bam you're able to get a, a good you know price for a cruise and head on down there next email is coming to us from it's like it's from jennifer my husband and I are about to go do a four-night cruise on Radiance of the Seas out of New Orleans without the kids. Yay! I have a question for you about any time, my time dining when cruising without kids. We enjoy meeting new people when we cruise without kids, and I was wondering if you could see it with other couples if you select from my time dining. When we've done my time dining in the past, we've always just eat with our family. If you want to have the experience of meeting new people, should I switch to a late seating reservation? Thank you so much for all the information you provide to the cruising community. The answer is both. You could see that both could happen to you. Um, I would think that there's an equal chance of that. And my recommendation to you, I guess would be maybe traditional dining, but you can talk to the head waiter also on board the ship and see what they can do about that. Some people are really averse to it. Some people really enjoy it, but in general, you can be seated with people that you don't know on either type. It's kind of a hit or miss thing, but if you request it, I think they can certainly arrange something. So I think that's not usually a problem. Next, we have an email from Amanda. My husband and I are going on a Mariner of the Seas and it's our first big, first big kid first big trip kid free so we're looking to enjoy ourselves i've been looking through your youtube and podcasts as well as google search to gather an understanding on how the casino works from what i can tell having a credit card attached to your cpass card and using the cpass in the casino will not be a cash advance but other things i'm seeing says the roll will charge five percent so if i were to buy two hundred dollars worth of chips each night on our cpass will be charged five percent is it best to travel to wad of cash or use cpass good question amanda so the answer is you'll be if you buy chips at the table, you'll be charged 5% every time you do it. Now, there is a workaround for this, Amanda. Let me, well, hold on, before I get there. Number one, your best bet is to bring a wad of cash. Yeah, bring cash with you that way. You don't have to worry about all this, right? You just bring the cash and you're good to go. But if you don't want to, can't, whatever the case may be, you can actually get, there is a workaround to get the cash without paying the 5%. What you have to do is go to a slot machine first and do a cash advance at the slot machine for whatever reason. If you do the cash advance at the slot machine, you don't get charged 5%. You'll get charged 5% at the table or from the casino host, but not at the slot machines. And then basically you do the, you get the cash out from the machine and then you immediately cash out from the machine. You get a voucher, go to the, go to the casino uh -huh. cashier, cash it out, and then go back to the table. And granted that's like three steps right there, but Hey, that'll save you 5%. And if you're doing $200 every night, that will add up. But I think your best bet is definitely bring a wad of cash with you. 
Next question is from Jeff from Exton, Pennsylvania. I was watching your most recent Monday live video on YouTube, and I saw you address a common question about taking kids and picky eaters to Wonderland. And I thought I might be able to relay my experience from this summer in hopes that it help, might help others. This past July, we sailed on Anthem of the Seas on a seven-day cruise out of Southampton. We've eaten at Wonderland before, but this is my first time we'd be taking our daughter, who's now 11. Our daughter is an incredibly picky eater who eats kids' foods like pizza, burgers, chicken fingers, and not much else. Normally, we would have dropped her off at Kids Club, but this time we were doing a dinner with our larger family and didn't want to deprive Grandma and Grandpa of dinner with her grandchild. Wonderland was able to provide our daughter a three-course meal consisting of things like she typically enjoys, just presented in a whimsical way. For example, the fruit appetizer had fresh-cut fruit into cubes placed in a large glass goblet with a huge puff of cotton candy on top. Her eyes were huge and her smile was large. For her main entree, she ordered the kids' cheeseburger with french fries. The fries came out crispy, shaped like hearts, and the cheeseburgers came out slightly deconstructed on skewers, sort of like kebabs. Surprisingly, she thought this was hilarious and fully enjoyed eating her cheeseburger on a stick. I myself couldn't pass up on ordering the fried mac and cheese off the kids' menu, which came out like mozzarella sticks and were really quite good. Lastly, her dessert was a large white chocolate egg placed in a huge nest of cotton candy. The waiter poured war warm caramel sauce on the egg, which melted away. The eggshell to reveal a chocolate brownie inside. Her mind was blown. In the end, our pickest eater had a fantastic time and immediately asked to return to Wonderland on the same sailing. Jeff, dude, your experience is exactly what happened to my kids. I can't believe it. It's amazing, but... Thank you so much for the email. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad to hear that my kids are not the only picky eaters in the world that absolutely loved Wonderland. It, it blows my mind, but there you go. I, it is what it is there. So anyway, thanks for the email, buddy. Next email is from Ed. Hi, Matt. My wife and I are booked on an 18-night Sydney to Honolulu Trans-Pacific Cruise on Ovation. We're not going to book the deluxe dining packages. I believe there's only four special restaurants on the ship, but I was wondering, can you book more than one three-meal dining package on the same cruise? We want to be able to have as much variety during the journey as possible. Uh, it's a good question, Ed. I'm not 100% sure. I think the issue for me is just stems will Royal Caribbean's like system allow it because I'm not sure that like it is programmed to allow that. Certainly, if you go to the Royal Caribbean Cruise Planner and try to book two dining packages for the same person on the same cruise, I'm not sure it will allow you or not. I've never tried it before, but you can certainly give that a, a, a try. On board the ship, I know you can still buy dining packages and you might have more luck there. So number one, Ed, I would at least try it out on the website. Heck, if it doesn't work on the website, give Royal Caribbean a call and try to do that. And then if all else fails, maybe, you know, book one before the cruise and then you get on board the ship, see if you can book another one while on board. Thank you, Ed, for the email. We have time for another email or two over here, starting with uh, Suzanne from Birmingham, UK. Uh, me, my husband, and our two kids will be six and ten are booked on Symphony of the Seas out of Barcelona next summer. Having sailed on Voyager, Freedom, and Quantum class ships in the past, we're super excited to try an Oasis class ship for the first time. We have a couple questions we're hoping you can help with. Number one, although we get on board in Barcelona for seven nights, it looks like there are people that are able to start the cruise in Rome. So there will be people embarking, disembarking on what is just a normal port day for us. Will this impact us in any way? Uh, that's a good question. So I've never done interporting, which is what this is called. It happens only in Europe, I think, especially these days. Um... Not so much. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some people. If you're if you're getting off the ship in the morning to go to do whatever you want to do in Rome, you probably won't even encounter much of this. But it would be somewhat kind of like embarkation day where, you know, the promenade is kind of busy and there are people with luggage trying to get their rooms and whatnot. Uh, I don't know how much of an impact it will have, especially if you're not on the ship. Obviously, if you're saying well, we're not going to go to Rome, we're going to stay on board the ship, then it may feel like embarkation day to some extent. But it sounds like you know, you're getting off the ship to go do stuff. So I would imagine... Act, but I imagine you'll be okay getting on your way. Does Symphony of the Seas have Adventure 2.0? You mentioned recently that 
Voyagers and Explorers are grouped together, so our kids are interested in that version of Adventure Ocean is on Symphony. It's not on Symphony, but the fact that the Explorers and Voyagers can be grouped together it happens more often than not in other in Adventure Ocean 1.0, let's call it that way. I feel like more often than not, they just end up getting grouped together. It's more practical that way uh, for the staff, that is. So it's entirely possible and very likely that that will still occur. And lastly, do you know any hidden parts or secrets of Symphony of the Seas we should check out? Thanks for the help of the podcast. I look forward to listening every week. There's an, actually an article on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com with the top 10 Symphony secrets. But one I can tell you about absolutely is when you're walking up to the Windjamer on the staircase, it's actually a musical staircase. There's the, the stairs are made out of piano keys. And if you step on the stair, it makes a sound, right? It makes the, plays the key there and it can vary depending on you know which key you're talking so you actually play a song it's kind of cool i think your kids will really enjoy that so thank you suzanne and our last email today comes to us from uh bill who wants to know are they ever going to return to free drinks in the diamond lounge so bill is talking about pre-covid if you went to the diamond lounge you could enjoy unlimited drinks in the diamond lounge now granted those unlimited drinks were a limited menu today there's not unlimited drinks there, but you can order any cocktail or beverage just like you had a drink package. So Royal Cream basically said, okay, we're going to give you, if you're Diamond, four drinks a day. If you're Diamond Plus, five drinks a day. And if you're, if you're Pinnacle, six drinks a day. And whether you're in the Diamond Lounge or not, doesn't matter. You just get, that's your allotment. But instead of being limited, and I, I got to emphasize the word limited because the old menu was extremely limited. Now listen, if you just drank Bud or a glass of generic red wine, sure. Okay. In that case, yes, you would have been able to enjoy unlimited. I think most people, including myself, find that we preferred something else other than Heineken, Stella, bottom rate vodka, and and one type of rum. Like I mean, it, it was a very limited menu. But anyway, nowadays you have the you're, you have the same selections of the drink package options that are out there, but you don't have unlimited options in the Diamond Lounge. And the answer bills, I don't believe they are. And in fact, Real Company has said that they don't believe they're going to go back to that method. I think they see this as an, as a benefit. I think the feedback they've gotten is that it has been a benefit. Um, so from that standpoint, it's, I, I think they've, I think they've just found this to be a home run with guests. Now I understand Bill that it sounds like you don't like it. Um, and this is just different strokes for different folks. I mean, you clearly enjoy, um, you know, per, I'm not saying clearly, I, perhaps you clearly enjoy some of the old drinks that were on the menu and didn't mind that and it's unlimited. I find that the, you know, in my case, seven plus five drinks a day is certainly very, very generous. No other cruise line does that or what Roker used to do for that standpoint. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I actually prefer it this way, but from what I've heard from Royal Caribbean, I don't believe they're going to go back to that method. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm telling you, man, it's just, the, it, it, Try, take advantage of it. Try more selections. Try different drinks you wouldn't have otherwise because now you have more choices and maybe specify a different kind of liquor. So if you order, you know, if you get a gin and tonic, tell them what kind of gin you like. If you order a rum and Coke, don't say rum and Coke, say get a, get a Kraken rum and Diet Coke kind of thing. Anyway, hopefully that helps you out there. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.